very much. We're going to go to 1 Peter chapter number 5. 1 Peter chapter number 5. We've been in a series, Hope in a World of Hopelessness, and we'll finish that up tonight. This will be the last message in that series, I believe, I believe sermon number 23, if I'm remembering correctly. Get through these five chapters, that's not bad for me. We could have gone up into the hundreds, I'm sure, but uh, I, I didn't back up too many times. First Peter chapter number 5, when you find that, if you'd stand with me for the reading of the Word of God and in honor of His Word, and look down with me to, well, verse number 7. We, we touched that last week, um, and we're going to go on, but let's start with verse number 7. Casting all your care upon Him. Well, let's back up to verse number 6. I told you I wasn't backing up, and here I go backing up. So anyway, verse number 6. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that He may exalt you in due time. Casting all your care upon Him, for He careth for you. Be sober, be, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour, whom resist steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. But the God of all grace, who hath called us unto his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after that ye have suffered a while, make you perfect, establish, strengthen, settle you. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever Amen. Title of the message for the night, uh, for the night, don't let the devil steal your hope. He'd sure like to do that, especially in the time we're living in right now. Let's pray. We'll get going. Father, thank you for loving us the way that you do. And thank you, Lord, for the good group that's assembled here in this place tonight. We've prayed, but we'll pray again for your protection, Lord, from even any unseen virus. And even more so from the unseen attacks of our adversary, the devil. The spiritual warfare that goes on around us. Lord, I pray that you would protect us. Put a hedge of protection about us. Lord, I pray that you would bind his hands. And Lord, that you would would help us to be open to whatever you have for us tonight. uh, That we might gain more victory in our walk with you. Thank you for the Bible. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your power. We need that now as we preach, and we pray for it in Jesus Christ's precious name. Amen and amen. Thank you for standing. Please do be seated. One night as a man sat at dinner with some of his friends, he began to tell a story about when he lived in a little town named Flagstaff. And he told how the town was supposed to be flooded as part of a large lake because of the dam that they were going to build. And in the months that it, before that it was to be flooded, all improvements all repairs on the whole town was stopped. Everything. I mean, what's the sense of painting a house if it's going to be covered with water in six months? And why repair anything at all when the whole town is going to be wiped out? And so week by week, and the whole town became more and more unkept, more gone to seed, more miserable. And then... The fellow that was telling the story, he added this kind of an explanation of all of that. He said this, where there is no faith in the future, there is no power in the present. Where there is no faith in the future, there is no power in the present. I'm thankful we can know God. We can know Him. And we can trust Him. And He does hold tomorrow in His hands. And the day after and the week and month and year and on and you know. Holds eternity in His hands. And we can know Him. 
we as God's people, we need to be a people of hope. We can't let the things surrounding us get us down. Not when we know the God of the universe is. I mean, the God Almighty. And we have to remember this, and I remind myself, probably not even enough, but we have to remember this, discouragement is of the devil. And if we're not looking to what God can do with our lives and in our lives, pretty soon we're just coasting. Pretty soon we quit, we, we quit painting and we quit trimming and we quit working and pretty soon weeds grow up and things just seem to get worse and worse and worse. But that's not what God has for us. No, it's not supposed to be that way where, where things, we just give up hope and I don't know. And people say Jesus is coming back, but they've been saying a long time. And when is he going to come back? No, I don't know when he's going to come back, but he's coming back. Yeah. Well, we can know that. And we have hope in that. That is our great hope that one of these days we will be called up to be with him. I'm sure you remember the story uh, about how Jesus, after his resurrection, he met Peter and six other disciples at the Sea of Galilee. I mean, it was just days after Peter's denial of ever knowing Jesus. And uh, as they gathered around the fire, having, having eaten of the fish that the Master had prepared, Jesus asked Peter three different times about his love for him. And after each uh, of those, Peter um, answered in the affirmative, yes, you know I love you, Jesus replied this, feed my lambs or feed my sheep. I think that we can agree that as we have studied through the book of First Peter, that since that time that they sat at the fire and Jesus had challenged him, feed my sheep, feed my lambs. I think that we can agree that since that time, Peter has grown and taken on the role of a shepherd. He's taken on the role of a pastor. He showed great love for Jesus' sheep because uh, the flock is God's flock. It, it's, it's not Bill Marshall's flock. It's God's flock. I remind him of that a lot. These are your sheep. You really need to do something with them. Peter cared about God's sheep. He had a heart for them. He's trying to help them the best he can. And the best way to do that, of course, is to tell them about the hope that they have in the Lord. Come on, that God is alive and well. Uh, that His Word does give us direction. That we can trust Him, even though things look bleak around us at times, that we can trust Him. Even though times grow dark, we can trust Him. Even though it seems like an uphill climb, we can trust Him. And we should never get to a place where we just lay down and we decide it just ain't worth it. it. It's not worth it to go forward. It's not worth it to fight. It's not worth it to do the things that God would have us to do. It seems like the harder I try, the harder it gets. Can anybody relate to that? I'm telling you, it's a spiritual warfare. And we fight it. We fight it. And let me give you some encouragement. You're going to fight that till you die. Or you're going to quit fighting it. And we have seen a lot of people, haven't we, walk away from God. And the things of God. No, at one time, people that stood firm on what the Bible had to say. But they, they got tired of the battle. They got tired of the fight. They lost hope. This just doesn't seem to be working out. Well, we don't do it because it seems to be working out. We do it because the Lord Jesus Christ died for our sin. He saved our soul. We never have to go to hell. Our, 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 our Heavenly Father is the creator of the universe. I'm telling you, we do it because uh, He first loved us. We keep on going. And it seemed like Peter's writing here uh, end in verse number 11 where he said to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. And then the epistle appears to be closed by Silvanus uh, which probably well could very well have been Silas. So in coming to the end of the series tonight, Hope in a World of Hopelessness, I want to look at the final words of Peter. And as we do that tonight, um, the idea here seems to be that God's sheep have things in common. Uh, that would be every believer. That, that, that we have 
something in common. This is something that should, should uh, bring every believer comfort. This should. I mean, if you're looking for comfort and why you should keep going and all, I mean, this should bring it to you. And we know, we've, we've, we've looked at it all the way through this book, this world is not our home. And sometimes we get the feeling very alone. Sometimes we get the feeling like we're the only one that's trying to do right. Sometimes we get the feeling like there's nobody else that wants to do it. And why should I even care? And why should I even keep trying? Why should I do the right thing? Come on. Sometimes we get the feeling alone. And there are even times we feel as though that we are called to suffer more than anyone else. Why does everybody else seem to be happy? Why does everybody else seem to be going about in their business? Why does everybody else seem to be getting along just fine? And it just seems like every turn with me, something's going wrong. And something gets it's harder and harder. Can you relate? So let's allow these four verses, which are things that are common to all believers. Let's, let's allow those tonight to be a source of hope and encouragement. Some things that we as believers all have in common. Look at verse number 8. It says, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about, seeking whom he may devour. So, the first thing that we see here that we all have in common is that we have an adversary. All of us. Every one of us. And he may be working, he may be working harder in some people's lives, because some people are trying harder to get to God. And then there's those that seem to just cruise along and nothing ever seems to bother them um, because they're not trying to get closer to God. They're on cruise control. Oh no, they come to church, and they carry a Bible and then, you know, they kind of follow along and sing the songs. But hey, as far as living for God out there and doing what God wants them to do and living a sanctified life, living a separated life and, and really trying to tell people about Jesus Christ and standing up when somebody wants to talk bad about their God and saying, oh, wait a minute, I, I'm not, no, 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 He is my God, He is my Savior. I mean, you're, you can't talk about Him like that. I mean, somebody's going to stand up for Christ. I mean, somebody's not going to stand up for Christ like that. It's pretty easy for them to just put it on cruise control and go on. And then those ones that are really trying to live for God, it seems like their fight's just a little bit harder. But every one of us, no matter what, if we are believers, we're saved by the grace of God. We do have an adversary. He's real. Too many of God's people have been lulled to sleep. And really, the first part of of, uh, verse number 8 there seemed like a wake-up call. He says, be sober. Be vigilant. Okay, look back at verse number 7. Casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. That's a wonderful thing. No, no, that's a wonderful thing. But I'm here to tell you tonight, just because you are fully trusting Jesus and casting your care upon him, it does not relieve you of responsibility. Well, preacher, not like I'm not trusting Jesus and I'm trying to cast my care upon him and all those things. I know, no, 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 but it goes on. I mean, there's not a break there. This same letter, he says, casting all your care upon him because he cares for you. Then it says this, be sober, be vigilant. Come on, come on, it's like a wake up call. Yes, you can trust Jesus. Yes, you can cast your care on him, but you need to be sober and vigilant. Uh, casting all your care upon him. Never, we're never going to go wrong there. There's no way. But then it goes on to say, be sober and be vigilant. So let's make sure that we understand this real well. That word sober there just means temperate. That word sober there means self-control. You're going to have to be in control of self. Well, sometimes I just, well, that's not a problem except that you just let yourself. I said we are to be temperate, we're to be sober, we're to be in control of ourselves. Preacher, I don't know why I keep doing this, and I don't know why I keep acting like this, and I don't know, let me tell you why, because you allow yourself to. Because you're not practicing this soberness, you're not practicing this temperance, you're not practicing this self-control, yielding yourself to God. Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? That's not just in, that's not just for your future, that's in everything that you do throughout the day. Lord, what would you have me to do? How would you have me to handle this? Would you want me to look there? Would you want me to listen to that? Would you want me to let that roll off my tongue or not? Because he will help us. 
I said, he will help us when we practice this. If we will listen to him, you're to be sober, to be temperate, to have that self-control. But also said, he said, be vigilant. And that word just means be awake and be alert at what's going on. What's going on around you. Be sober and be vigilant. This is important. Now let me ask you a question. Come on, come on, let me ask you a question. What do you think that Peter was, uh, what do you think that Peter might have been reflecting on? Stay with me here. What do you think that Peter might have been reflecting on as he was writing this? Could it have possibly been the night in the garden when his best friend Jesus had asked him to watch and pray? Peter, I need you to watch and pray. I'm going to get a little further. I need to, I need to pray about some things, and, and my heart is heavy, and, and it's really bad, and I need you to watch and pray. Could it have been that night? Could he have been thinking about that night that, that, that his very best friend, the Lord Jesus Christ, had asked him to watch and pray? And remember, you remember the story. He, he could not stay awake one hour to pray that night. He couldn't stay awake one hour. And the very next day, the very next day, what happened then? The very next day. Well, he denied ever knowing Jesus. He hadn't been sober. He hadn't been vigilant. And the next thing you know, he's denying that he ever, he ever even knew the Lord Jesus Christ. Very apparently that very apparently, Peter hadn't heard the, the lion's roar. And he's writing from experience. The man had not been sober and he had not been vigilant. And his testimony, please get this, his testimony had been devoured. He lost it just like that. Because he had not been sober and vigilant. Verse 8 tells us that our, our adversary, yours and mine, our adversary as believers, the devil, he is on the prowl. Can I just say we do not need to be meditating on the devil. We don't need to be meditating on him. But we need, to, we need to be aware of his wiles. We need to be aware of the way that he operates. We need to be aware that he is alive and well and that he is working to destroy our testimony night and day. That he would rather us follow our own flesh or to follow him than, than to follow the Lord. That, that he would love to see us wash out. He'd love to see us quit church. He'd love to see us quit following Christ. I'm telling you, if he can't get you to quit church, he'd love just to, for you just to quit following Christ. You carry your Bible, but you don't really read it. I mean, you say that you pray, but you don't really pray. Uh, things go on in your mind that shouldn't go on. No, no, no. If he can just get you to play the game for a while, he's real happy with that. And he knows. He knows whether you're truly praying. He knows whether you're really reading your Bible. He knows whether you're really trying to follow the Lord or not. You know, his word, uh, his word, his name, Satan, means adversary. He's our enemy. We call him the devil, and that, that name, whatever, means accuser, means slanderer. And he goes about as a roaring lion looking for somebody he can devour. He's looking, for the, he's looking for the old and the weak. He's looking for the straying. He's looking for those that have, have gotten away. He, he's looking for that. That's what he's all about. He came to, to kill and to steal and destroy. I mean, that's what he's all about. He, he's, he's not for anything good. Oh, he can make things look good. The Bible says he comes as an angel of light. And he can make things look real shiny, real good, real fun, real nice. You young people, listen to me. He can make things look like they'll be real fun. And he can even convince you in a time of temptation that it's not going to hurt you to go ahead and take that. Or to do that. Or to take that step. Or go there. Or watch that. Or listen to that. He will convince you that, you, that it's not going to hurt you a bit if you do that. He loves to get you snared like that. He's a liar and the father of lies. And he'll do anything that he can to destroy your life, to destroy your walk with God. He'll do anything he can. 
He's their enemy. And he walketh about on the prowl, constantly on the go, hunting for prey, hunting for his next victim. He has endless energy. He's a spirit. He's not confined to a body like we are. I'm talking about, I'm talking about our accuser. I'm talking about our enemy. Endless energy. Job chapter 1, verse 7, the Bible says, And the Lord said unto Satan, Whence comest thou? Then Satan answered the Lord and said, From going to and fro in the earth and from walking up and down in it, he never rests. He's always looking for his next victim. He's always looking for the next one that he can take down. And I'm telling you, I believe he shops in churches a lot. He doesn't have to worry about those people out there that don't know him. They're all going his way anyway. But I believe he shops in churches a lot. Because if he can destroy a dad or a mom, or if he can destroy the firstborn, if he can destroy someone that's been a faithful church member, if he can destroy someone that has made a profession of faith, gotten saved, been baptized, I mean, at one time was determined, man, my life's going to be different, it's going to be better. Man, if he can get them off track and get them headed back in the way of the world, that is what he is all about. We all have this adversary. Don't think you don't. He's very, very real. You know, a lion has a very terrifying roar. I remember a trip we made to Africa years ago and we stayed out in the bush for about a week and the flat compound we were staying in um, uh, late at night, if you had to go to the restroom, it was not in your cabin. And I can remember leaving that facility and going to the other facility late at night and hearing in the distance the roar of a lion. They roar mostly at night. Anywhere from 3 to 6 a.m., the darkest hours of the night. Isn't that strange? But it's true. And in the wild like that, a roar, they say it can be heard for up to five miles. Five miles powerful roar and the reason that lions roar is to create fear it, it, it's it's to claim a territory it, it's it, it's it's to intimidate their prey do you recall back in chapter number four when we talked about the fiery trials that will come the fiery trials that will come. They will come. That, that persecution, that, the, the, the trials, those things, are, they are Satan roaring for us to back off. Well, if I can throw this trial in their life and they get them to shut up, if I can get somebody just to persecute them, cuss them out real good for trying to tell somebody about Jesus, They'll just shut up and back off. If I can get somebody in the church upset with somebody else in the church that it just, it just, that that it just consumes them, it just consumes them with hate and anger and unforgiveness. If I can get somebody to do that, man, I've got them. No, I'm telling you, that's exactly the way it works. Real spiritual warfare. He does his best to intimidate us, to get us off track, to keep us from doing the simple things that God wants us to do. Well, preacher, I'd be doing that, but you don't understand my life. No, 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 let me stop you right there. No, no, no. You're letting things get in the way of what God wants you to do, and that's why you're not a satisfied Christian. Because if we're casting all that care upon God and we're doing what God wants us to do, no, he's a God that fulfills Come on, blessed are those that do hunger uh, and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. So we have to keep our eye on the prize, don't we? If I can say it that way. 
We can't let him intimidate us like that. No, 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 no. He's an enemy, but we, we don't need to let him intimidate us like that. He, he just doesn't like it when invaders uh, attempt to uh, uh, invade his home turf. He doesn't like it. You start reaching out to people that are lost. He doesn't like it. You start living for God the way you should. He doesn't like it. You're doing your best to live for God. Preacher, it's not like I'm not doing my best to live for God. Hallelujah. Don't give up. Don't quit doing that. I'm telling you, but that is when he likes to attack. We have to recognize it. You can be assured, please get this, you can be assured that he will be roaring during the darkest hours of your persecution, during the darkest hours of your trials, your suffering. That's when he's going to be roaring. Get you to back off even that much more. There, there's, some, there's some Christians that don't even like to talk about suffering and persecution. It's not like we go through a lot of it. There's some that don't even like to talk about it. I mean, that alone brings fear. Look, God has not given us the spirit of fear. The Bible says perfect love casteth out all fear. God wants us moving forward. Yes, we have an enemy. Yes. There's a lot of people today that cannot live for Jesus during, during, even during prosperous times. When times are good, they cannot even live for Jesus during prosperous times. And then when this fear and opposition come, they really go into total meltdown. Just a total meltdown. Which brings us to this next truth. We all have a common call. We all have a common call. Well, what is that, preacher? Look at verse 9. It says, Whom resists steadfast in the faith? The old devil. Whom resists steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world? But the God of all grace, who hath called us unto his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after that ye have suffered a while, make you perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. We all have a common call. What's that, preacher? Afflictions and suffering for Christ. Well, I don't think I like that. Well, not many people do. The Apostle Paul said it this way over in 2 Timothy, 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 12. Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. Okay, let me, let me ask you a real simple question. Do we believe the Bible? Oh yeah, I mean, it's easy. To, we believe his old King James Bible. Amen, preacher. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, so is that statement true? I guarantee it's just as true as any other part of the Bible. Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. And the later, stay with me please, the later and the darker the hour, the more we'll see it come to pass. The devil's not going to give up his attack on the church. He's not going to give up. He's going to continue to do everything he can to shut it down. To silence it. He doesn't want the gospel going out. He doesn't want us to support all these missionaries around the world. He doesn't want us going out to Saint, into St. Joseph, America and giving people the gospel and trying to get people into the house of God. He's going to work harder and harder as that day is approaching. And really, Peter gives us some great thoughts on suffering for Christ. I, 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 we, we have to understand this, talking about things in common. It's not something that's isolated to one person. No, 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 no. It's common. For all brothers and sisters in Christ, and all down through the ages, Brother Mike talked about the 1500s, it's been going on 
for a long, long time. It's common. Verse number 9 again. Whom resist steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. We know this. We know this. We know this. The story of Jesus' church is written in blood. It's written in blood. Millions martyred. Millions sacrificed. Millions gave their lives for the truths of this book. Okay, let me just blow your mind just a little bit. Millions gave their life and gave the life of their families, their children, their husbands, their wives. Millions gave their lives over baptism. Over baptism. Well, preacher, that just doesn't seem like a big deal. No, no, no. You stop right there. Don't, no, don't you check out on me. You stop right there. It's part of the Bible. So guess what? It's a big deal. Just like every other part of the Bible is a big deal. Oh, no, no, no. We, we can't. We, no, no. Just because, well, I am baptism. It's just like, oh, no, no. Millions died. Over baptism. Preacher, you know, if you just if you just ease up on this baptism thing, you know, people come, they want to join the church, and they've been baptized, Uncle Harry baptized them, or they were baptized in the pseudo-Lutheran church down there, or whatever the case, they were sprinkled as a baby. If you just back off, just slack off, I mean, you know, just, just relax a little bit about that stuff. Mercy's sake, we probably see more people in here and everything. No, 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 the Lord gave us two ordinances to the church, baptism and the Lord's Supper. Gave them both as a gatekeeper. To keep his church pure. And I'm telling you, if millions of people were willing to die for it, I believe I'm willing to take a stand and let people get mad at me at my office and call me all types of names just because I won't accept a baptism from their Uncle Harry or whoever gave it because they did not have the proper authority to give it. Oh, no, no, no. Our, mm, our duty is to stand for the Bible. Now you take that and just chew on it for a little while in the next few days that people died for baptism and then just see how ashamed you might be that you're not following parts of the Bible that you should be following. Well, preacher, you know, I've been baptized. Glory to God. It's what you're supposed to do. Absolutely so. But don't, don't let that... No, no, no. I'm telling you. No, no, no. Don't you go to sleep on me. I am telling you, there are people that died for baptism. That should make us look at the rest of the Bible and go, oh, wow. We live in a soft generation of Christians we live in uh, we live in a generation where Christianity has been way watered down Um, a lot of people have tried to make Christianity into a fun thing it's a fun thing remember back in the early 80s and on into the early uh, mid 80s on into the the, the early 90s and all the stuff about all the different paraphernalia, Christian paraphernalia came out and you had to have the latest bracelet and you had to have the latest necklace and you had to have the latest t-shirt and, and God's like cheer and God's like tire, uh, 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 Tide and God's like Pepsi and God's like Coke. Oh no, He's not. He's not like any of those things. He's high and lifted up and way above anything in this world. And he's not supposed to be made into some type of fun thing. He is our God. He is our creator. He is our heavenly father. He is a God that is holy, holy, holy is what the Bible says. And he's still a holy God. And he still, he still says, thus saith the Lord. We just need to pay more attention to it. Amen. 
And see, it really doesn't matter what part of the world that, that, that we might be in, whether it's the brothers and sisters right here in the United States of America or over in Russia or over in China or over in the Arab nations. I'm telling you, believers will always have this one thing in common for sure. One of these, one of these things in common is that this world opposes, this world opposes Jesus Christ and Christians. It does, not, it does not oppose Christians who live like the world. Somebody should have said amen right there. I said it does not oppose quote unquote Christians who live like the world. Doesn't matter. Dress like the world, walk like the world, talk like the world. Get you a Christian piercing. Get you a Christian tattoo. Have you a Christian beer. Oh no, the world embraces that stuff. It draws people to it. I mean, no, no. I mean, there's big congregations that draws people to it. There's some church out there in California somewhere. I know they're all shut down, but there's some church out there had a tattoo parlor in it. I kid you not. You can't make that stuff up. That's nuts. Pastor said, we're going to have Tattoo Sunday. You come and we can all go down to the tattoo parlor. Bible still says we're not supposed to mark our body up. It still says that. Well, you hate people with tattoos? Heavens no, I don't hate people with tattoos. That'd be a crazy statement. No, 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 no. I remember somebody got mad, mad at me uh, years ago, even in, in no other building, because I said something about tattoos. Man, they have tattoos, and they went all off, and they got mad, never came back to church, and ended up on heroin. I'm... Well, preacher, you just try to offend people? No, but I will preach the Bible. I'll do my best to tell people what it says. We're not, we're not, we're not, no, 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 we're not supposed to be, we're not supposed to be like this world. And the more that we sanctify ourselves and the more we separate ourselves unto God, it's not just quitting doing all this worldly stuff. It's separating ourselves unto God that we begin to, to live for him. I mean, really live for him. Are you still with me here? Really live your life for him 24-7. Oh, no, no. All, that, all they that live godly shall suffer persecution. Yeah. Mocked, made fun of, ridiculed, whatever the case may be. I can't believe you dress like that. Why do you dress like that all the time? What's the big deal? Why don't you come to my church? Because our pastor never says anything about stuff like that. And you can just come over there and you can live any way you want to and go to our church. Come on, it, it, negates, it negates the fact, we all, we all agreed that the Bible is the Word of God. We all, we all agreed that that part, of the, the, that part of the Bible, that everybody that lives godly is going to suffer persecution. We agreed that that is part of the Word of God. God doesn't lie. Somebody say amen. God doesn't lie. At all. So... As we begin to really separate ourselves unto God and live for God, why do we get so weirded out when people want to talk? What do you mean you don't do this? What do you mean you don't go there? What do you mean you don't wear that? What do you mean you're not going? And what do you mean? You just think you're better than everybody else and all these things. Why do we get so weirded out that that would happen? I'm telling you, God said it's going to happen. Hold it. No, 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 no. Hold that thought right there. And so the thing is, is that do people look at you weird? No, it's not that I think we should just try to make ourselves stick out like a sore thumb, but I think we ought to be Christian enough that people see it on us. I said, I think we ought to live a sanctified enough life that people would say, oh, wow, really? Oh, but preacher, if I do that, then people are going to make fun of, you know, things, and then they're going to, you know, talk bad about our church, and maybe even talk bad about you because of the things that you preach and stuff. That's okay, God will defend me. I'm not worried about that part. No, no, it's his church. It's not my church. No, no, there's still people to say. I've been told here recently. There's still people to say, "Oh, you don't want to go to that church." Oh, no, no. <laughs> what if you? you don't. No, I'm talking about other pastors have told church members, their church members. Oh no, <laughs> you don't want to go to that church. Not that church. 
Well, how does that make you feel, preacher? Makes me feel pretty good. Amen. We must be different. No, no. And I'm not looking to run people off. I'm not looking to hurt people's feelings. And I'm not looking. No, 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 no. I'm not looking just to rake people across the coals and stuff. But I'm telling you, once that Bible is taught and preached the way that it's supposed to be taught and preached, some of it is pretty mm, rough. And I don't want to personally offend anybody. No, 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 no. But I guarantee you, when you begin to, t- to teach and preach the Word of God, there's going to be offense. And you'll be persecuted for it. I've been persecuted for it on the street. I've been persecuted for it in the office. I've been persecuted for it over the phone. I've been persecuted for it over the internet. <laughs> I need to talk to you, church. We've got to change some things. Why come, preacher? Because I got this email the other day. They were watching a live stream and they were talking bad about me. We got to do something about this. Mercy sakes alive. No, we just need to quit. We just need to quit whining and start following God more. They've been persecuted since way back when. No, Peter's talking about it. Peter is writing about it. Your brothers and sisters are facing the same thing. Man, if they faced it back in that time, why should we think we shouldn't face it? It's something that we have in common if we're really trying to live for God. It's going to take place. But the Bible tells us that God uses that suffering if we endure to strengthen us and to prepare us for eternal glory. We're all going to one day see the, the, the weakness of Christians. Please listen to me. The weakness of Christians and the, part, the departing of many from the faith has been, caused, has been caused by the preaching of a crossless Christianity. No more do you have to pick up your cross to follow the Lord. Do you not get it? The cross is a symbol of shame. It's pretty easy to wear the little gold one around your neck. It's a different story to pick it up every day and carry it on your back. No suffering, no pain. What? We don't want any that. We don't want any of that, preacher. No, you don't want suffering, no pain. Come on, preacher. We want to be happy and carefree all the time. That's what we want. But that's not true Christianity. I'd be ashamed before God to not tell you that truth. It's right here. We're reading it. Romans chapter 8 verse 16 says the spirit itself bear witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. If so be that we suffer with him that we may also be glorified together. 2 Timothy chapter 2 verse 11. It's a faithful saying if we suffer we shall so reign with him. Momentary suffering and then eternal glory. Come on this life is but a vapor. Somebody say amen. I know, I know, I know, I know. Okay, time out. I told somebody here just today, was it today? Yesterday, day before. I don't know, all days running together now. I told somebody that I believe people have gotten conditioned to short services by watching them at home. And so I need to uncondition them. Some of you didn't find that real humorous or you were just asleep. I don't know. Look, I don't, I'm not just trying to drag things out, but I think God has something for us tonight. As we finish up this book of First Peter, I think God has something for us tonight. And we need to be willing to soak it up. Come on, we need to be, stay, we need to be, we need to be able to be tuned in for more than, you know, 10 minutes at a time. Especially when it comes to the important things like mm, the Word of God and how we're supposed to live in this world and how we're supposed to react to things that happen to us as we live in this world. No, no, I think it's very, 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 very important. 
due to the curse, due to the sin that's in the world, that's, how, that's God's order of things. Momentary suffering as we go through this world as Christians. And then eternal glory. Verse number 6 up here in chapter 5 says this, Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that He may exalt you in due time. Our main obligation, stay with me and I'll try to hurry. Our main obligation is to humble ourselves before God. Even, please listen, even if it brings a little suffering into our lives. To humble ourselves. Well, you know, boy, man. Well, I'm struggling, preacher, with what? Well, I'm telling you, God, it just seems like God's been dealing with me about this little certain thing, you know, and it, it's not really something, it's not really something that I want to do. It's, it's not really something I want to give up. It's not really something that, you know, it's just, I'm telling you, I'm just, I'm just struggling. So what do you think I ought to do, preacher? Um, humble yourself. Humble myself. Humble myself. What in the world are you talking about? Humble myself. Yeah, humble yourself. I don't, I don't follow you. I'm talking about, I'm struggling with this, and I know God's dealing with me, but I don't really want to give up, so what am I supposed to do? Humble yourself. Lord, this is what I want, but I know this is what you want. And so, I'm just going to submit to you. I'm going to die to self, and I'm just going to, Humble myself before you and do it your way. Even if it brings a little suffering. I said, even if it brings a little suffering. Little, little suffering. Well, this isn't really what I, this this wasn't really what I wanted to do. Well, try to suffer through it. Oh, no, 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 no. You're you're being ridiculous. Oh, no, I'm not being ridiculous whatsoever. I'm telling you, there are things that God wants us to do. And we have gotten so soft that even little changes that God wants us to make in our life, we want to make a big deal out of it. Come on, and we want to throw a fit because God wants us to live a certain way, but we don't want to live that way. Or God wants us to dress a certain way, and we don't want to dress that way. Or God wants us, God wants us to give up something that everybody else is doing. It doesn't seem to be hurting at all, but God wants us to give up something, and we don't want to give it up. Why don't you just humble yourself before the Lord and just say, Lord, what, whatever you want me to do, that's exactly what I'll do. Humble yourself. And if we do that, He's the one that will take care of the reigning, the exalting in due time. He will exalt us in due time. It's a total, it's a total dependence on Him. We become totally dependent upon Him. There's one more thing we see here that believers have in common. Look at verse 9 again. It says, Whom resist steadfast in the faith. And look at verse 10. Uh, the last part of that verse. Make you perfect. Establish. Strengthen. Settle you. So let's. Let, let's no no. The first part of verse 9. Whom resist steadfast in the faith. I, I, I've got a. I've got a. In verse number 8 where it says, be sober, be vigilant because your adversary the devil. I've got those two words circled. The devil. And I've got a line drawn down. To verse number 9 where it says, Whom resist steadfast in the faith? Because that's who we're supposed to resist. The devil. The devil's a very powerful enemy. I said the, de- the devil is a very powerful enemy that goes without question. I know that. In fact, in Jude number 9, you've read it before, Michael the archangel said to Satan himself, The Lord rebuked thee. No, no, he didn't try to face him in his own power. And we're foolish if we think we can do it in our own power. We can't. We're no match for old smoke face by ourselves. We're no match. Not at all. No, 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 no. We resist him. Please get this. No, I'm, I, I don't, come on. We resist him by faith in and submission to God. 
Get that. If you don't write down anything else, that'd be a great thing to write down. We resist our adversary by faith in and, and, don't forget the and, submission to God. The devil goes around as a roaring lion, but, but we know that Jesus, we know that Jesus is the lion of the tribe of Judah. Somebody say amen right there. May not make you spiritual, but it'll help you stay awake. The Bible says, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. We are more than conquerors in Christ. Do you get it? There's too many people today, too many believers today, I believe this, there's too many believers today that resist suffering and persecution by compromising their stand for God and for His Word. They don't want to go through anything, and so they compromise their stand for God and for the Word of God. Let me, tell you, let me tell you how to handle that. Don't. Don't compromise your stand for God. No, 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 no. Resist the adversary. Resist the adversary. If we will resist the devil and submit ourselves to God. Okay, wait, stop. If we will submit ourselves to God. First, and then resist the devil. Whatever suffering that comes along with our submission to him, to God. The Bible says right here that God will perfect you, establish you, strengthen you, and settle you. Now, as believers, come on, I'm, I'm, I'm right at done. As believers, what more could we ask for in this life? Come on, don't make me expound on it too much. Don't, no, 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 no. Look, don't get mixed up. Don't get all mixed up. And because the text doesn't say, okay, all y'all, all y'all, that's okie talk. All y'all that are mature and all y'all that are mature and established and settled, you know what you need to do? You just need to resist the adversary. That's not what it says. I just can't, I just can't seem to resist the temptation of the devil, preacher. Well, because you missed a part. I said you missed a part. What part did I miss? Submitting yourself to God. That's evident by the way that you <clears throat> live. No, 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 no. We are not supposed to be first mature, established, and settled. That's too much to ask of us sinners. We can't do that on our own. If you are a believer in here tonight, we, we all have the common, oh, get this, please. We all have the common ability to submit to God. And once we submit to God, we can resist the devil. I said, once we do submit to God, I'm still reading the Bible here, Brother John. Once we do submit to God, we can resist the devil and then, then God will perfect you and establish you and strengthen you and settle you. Okay, let me ask you this. Wouldn't it be nice? No, no, nothing else. Wouldn't it be nice just to be <clears throat> settled in Christ? Oh, come on, just... Settled in Christ. This is the life I'm living. Nobody's going to get me away from it. Right here's where I'm settling. This is it. Well, how'd you get to that spot? Started submitting to God. 
And when I did, it's, it's like he gave me victory over these temptations of the devil. I mean, I, I just, man, I just resisted the temptation that God gave me victory and he started working. <laughs> I got it settled like I never had it settled before. It's right there, Brother Dan. It's right there, black and white. It's right there. Okay, preacher, fine. Why, why do we need to do it God's way? Verse number 11, to Him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. We do it God's way so that we will all have this common goal in mind. I'm done. No, no, no. That we'll all have this common goal in mind. Glorify God and submit to His dominion. We have this common goal. Glorify God. What are you going to do with your life? I want to glorify God. I'm going to submit to His dominion. What does that mean? I'm going to be asking God to help me to be the man, the woman, the boy, girl that He wants me to be. I'm going to die to my own dreams. My own hopes. And I'm going to hope in the Lord. I really do believe that the devil has stolen a lot of hope from people that think that they can't live that way for God. Well, I wish I could be as good a Christian as they are. You can. You just have to be willing to pay the price. Well, what's the price? Your life. Just giving your life to God. What wilt thou have me to do? Don't let the devil steal your hope. Don't let him shut you down. I mean, we have hope in the Lord. No, I'm here to, no, no, I'm here to encourage you, church, as, as the pastor. Continue to draw close to him and grow in his nurture and admonition, submitting yourself to him. Humble yourselves, submit yourself. And let God lift you up. No, no. You can be a different Christian. You can truly be the Christian that God wants you to be when you get to wanting it. If you don't want it, you ain't never going to have it. Oh no, I'll say it again. If you don't want it, You ain't never going to have it. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness. For they shall be filled. I just want God to change me. Well, what does He want you to do? No, big, little, whatever. What is it does He want you to do? Well, you know, there's some things He dealt with me about, but, you know, that's not really... You know, it's just kind of uncomfortable for me. Oh, I see. You want God to do whatever you want Him to do just as long as you don't have to do anything that He would have you to do. Can I tell you where that will get you? Nowhere. It will get you absolutely nowhere. No, 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 no. You can come and sit in that seat week after week, year after year, whatever, Carry your Bible and all those things. But if you don't want everything God has to offer, if you're just going to do what you want to do because that's your two time for me, well, that will get you nowhere. And there's really, come on, when God has all of this to offer us, why in the world do we let the devil steal it away by just not being willing to submit ourselves to God? Doesn't make good sense. It really does not make good sense. Let's all stand. Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you. I thank you for the good attention that your people gave tonight to your word. And Lord, we just pray that you'd bless this invitation time, that folks would be willing to submit, however you may have spoken to hearts, whatever you'd like people to do, whatever you want people to do, that. Uh, 
or down to this time, uh, as you've spoken to people, that they would just be willing to submit. That battles could be won at altar tonight. That hope could be given that life can be different as folks just yield and submit. Whatever needs to take place, Lord, we pray that Your will would be done. Please. Bless this time of invitation as only, as only You can. We trust You for that. We ask these things.